Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, you're listening to Into It from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. In this episode, we are discussing the enduring appeal of The Real Housewives. My lashes may be fake, but I definitely keep it real. So season 14 of The Real Housewives of New York premiered earlier this month. And there was a lot of stuff you're used to. The tacky catchphrases. I love to laugh. It'll make me mad. And I'll date your dad. The drama over the littlest things. I'm well aware that there has been some cheese tension. The luxury apartments with overdone interior design. The closet is half the bedroom. And then also the bedroom is half the apartment. But there was one very big new thing with this 14th season of the New York Housewives. The entire cast, all of them, were brand new. The previous New York Housewives, gone. It's kind of remarkable if you actually think about it. The Housewives juggernaut has become so big and so powerful that the actual cast members have become completely replaceable. Going to talk this episode about the television universe of The Real Housewives. And to do it, we are joined by Brian Moylan. He recaps Housewives episodes for Vulture. He has a Housewives newsletter. He even wrote an entire book about The Real Housewives. Brian's going to give us his ranking of the top four housewives of all time, a housewife Mount Rushmore. He will also talk about how the housewives basically changed all of reality TV. I know, it's going to be a fun chat. I want to start by talking about this latest season of The Real Housewives of New York City. It's season 14, but the cast is entirely new. I've watched the first episode. What's going on here? Whole new cast. Whole new cast. And this is the first time they have done such a thing. So after season four of Real Housewives of New York, it got really dark. And so they fired half of the cast and started over again, and it was quite successful. And, you know, we've seen some big shakeups like that, but we've never seen kind of an entire reboot. And I think what happened was the 13th season was not great. It was filmed during COVID. They introduced Ebony K. Williams, who was the first Black cast member on The Real Housewives of New York. And some of the cast supposedly didn't have that great of a time with it, let's say. Wait, they didn't Um, like that a Black woman was in the cast? That's, yes, uh, essentially. Did uh, they say that on screen? She didn't say it on screen, but there was an investigation into her behavior. I love how, like, that's the stuff that gets investigated, not, like, 
the violence, the criminal activity, <laughs> et cetera. Anywho, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, in fairness to the housewives, it rarely erupts into physical violence, though obviously it has on a few notable occasions. And so, yeah, so they made it a bit younger, which from what I understand, they've been trying to do with a lot of the shows and also more diverse uh there's a queer woman, there's some women of color, there's our first Indian housewife, Jessel Tank. So yeah, so they're trying to, I think, modernize it and make it more exciting. And also I think that just anecdotally, I hear a lot of people will say, oh, I started watching Salt Lake City because I always wanted to watch Housewives and it was new. And, you know, some of the shows have been on for so long Mm -hmm. that it's hard to, to find a way in. So this way, it's like, like you, Sam, oh, I'm just going to start watching this whole new cast and learn exactly. with everybody else. So, yeah. yeah. I think Jenna Lyons, former head of J. Crew, will be the breakout star. She knows what the hell she's doing. If you guys haven't had sex in a year and a half, I don't think I should be your entry point. I think the vibes on all of them does feel a bit fresher. I'm excited by it. But it's beautiful that they managed to find a way to still keep the same dumb housewives insanity going, even with all this rebooting of it. (laughs) The big drama for the entire first episode is over cheese. Yes. I can't even tell you what happened with the cheese anymore. I just know they were fighting over cheese for an hour. No, you actually have diarrhea of the mouth. Because I had a cheese platter and you decided to tell her a oh, yeah, stupid, silly story. Oh, yeah, that was a f-ing asshole move. Uh, what was the asshole move? Serving cheese? That's what we love about the housewives. And I will say, in recent years, we've had, you know, Jen Shaw going to prison for fraud. We had, you know, Erica Jane's husband, Tom Girardi, being investigated for defrauding clients out of money. You know, we've had the whole scandal, which was really dark on Vanderpump Rules. And so it's been a really kind of dark, hard time for Housewives fans. And it's created a lot of great television. But at the end of the day, what we really want is fights about cheese. You know, I don't want any real victims. There you go. (laughs) You know, this first episode was so delectable because it's like the fights were so low stakes. Yeah. I could just enjoy it. And in the second episode, it's like, you know, I'm beginning to think which comes first, the chicken or the egg, like which comes first, the housewives or the overpacking, because they go away <laughs> for a weekend in the Hamptons at one of the women's houses and Cy De Silva packs like 10 garment bags full of clothes. It's Cy like, girl, would though, she's going- an influencer girly. She's an influencer girly. Sai packed for every single Instagram post that she's going to post for the next six months. I thought I overpacked. I'm sorry, you're not going to wear that many clothes. You could have, you, it's a weekend. (laughs) You could have been okay with five, you know? (laughs) What does it say about the strength of the Housewives franchise that they can do a full reboot, trade out the entire cast, and it still works? And what does it say about the strength of the Housewives franchise that they're drawing the likes of Jenna Lyons at this point, the former head of J. Crew? The thing about Housewives is I feel that it's a little bit like Saturday Night Live in the way oh. that when you join, you know, start watching it, you know, those are kind of end up being your favorite women or favorite performers. And also, as much as people kind of come in and go out of it, the 
franchise is stronger than any of the players, there you, you know? Go. And we've had breakout stars from Housewives, just like we've had, you know, Jimmy Fallon and, mm-hmm. you know, Tina Fey and breakouts from Saturday Night Live. But most of them, you know, try to do something outside and it doesn't quite really work because the Saturday Night Live was stronger than them. So I feel like it's about the franchise. And there's a podcaster named Sarah Galley. Um, She hosts a podcast called Andy's Girls. And I interviewed her for my book about the housewives. And she said, I don't believe in God, but I have faith in the real housewives. And I feel like a, a lot of fans feel the same way. Like they've given us so much good TV that we have faith, no matter what they do, we'll kind of pay attention. So the housewives abide, the housewives abide. The housewives abide and they really do. And, you know, I give it up to Bravo and the production companies that make them because they really do give us a great product. But I think that as it's gone on and on, you know, it's gained a certain gravitas almost, you know, as reality has become more normalized. You know, the other day I was looking, I saw a picture from the women's singles finals at Wimbledon and it was the Mm -hmm. Royal box Mm -hmm. and in the Royal box was Kate Middleton, you know, heir Mm -hmm. to the throne of England and sitting next to her was Martina Navratilova, tennis great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sitting next to Martina was her spouse, Julia Lemagova, real housewife of Miami. And so it's like the housewives are now one seat away from Kate Middleton. They're entrenched. They're there, baby. Right. It seems as if the state of this union is strong, but I want to ask you specifically, what is the state of this union? What is the state of the whole of the Real Housewives empire right now, some 17 years after the first Housewives show premiered? Based on the numbers, it's kind of hard to tell because if you go by the TV ratings, you know, it's a cable show. They've been in decline for years and years and years, but as has everything on cable. So it looks like they're losing popularity. But that said, not everybody's watching it on Bravo. You know, maybe you're watching it on Peacock. Maybe you're waiting for the season to end and binging it all at once. Maybe you watch some Housewives, but not the others. So it's hard to tell based on the numbers if we're losing fans or gaining fans. I will say anecdotally... I feel like we picked up a lot of people in the pandemic. Uh, They do BravoCon every year, which is a fan convention for Housewives fans and other fans of Bravo. And when they did it last year, there was a big email that went out to everyone in NBC Universal saying, look at BravoCon. This is what we need to be doing with all of our brands. This is the future of the business. So I think that it is very strong and we have a lot of fans. And, you know, I, I liken it often to professional wrestling. The people that are into it are super into it and they're not going anywhere. The people who are still watching Housewives now (laughs) will watch Housewives until they die. All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, the ranking of all rankings, Brian Moylan's Mount Rushmore of Real Housewives. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. 
Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Let's rank the housewives, the real housewives, by building a Mount Rushmore of the housewives. This means yes. four women and four faces on the mountaintop. Yes. I want to add some special audio here in post, Travis, <laughs> like a bald eagle calling or something. <laughs> Anywho, with that, tell us your Mount Rushmore and tell us first the criteria you considered in compiling the four. Well, I will say I propose this because it's a popular thought experiment amongst Housewives fans. And so when oh. we talk to each other, okay. this is so something I'm just out of the we loop. say. Okay, like, okay. Yeah, what would yours be? You know, and mm. everyone's different. And part of what I love about the Housewives fandom is that no matter which woman you pick, there's people that love them and there's people that hate them. And, you know, you could talk about the reasons why for hours. So what I was thinking when coming up with mine is the people who I think have had the biggest impact on the public's perception of housewifery. And okay, okay. How much they have gotten out into the ether beyond yeah. housewives fandom. So my first one, though she is w my least favorite of all the housewives, <sighs> oh. is Teresa Giudice, who oh, that's is a real girl. housewife of that's New Jersey. She's, Sam, don't make me hang up. <laughs> 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 She's been there since the beginning. She is the one who did the infamous table flip where she shouted no. prostitution whore no. and flipped the table. Prostitution whore? You are which if, you know, you had to boil Housewives down to one moment that anybody knows, like, that's it. And so that's why I think she deserves to be the iconic Teresa Giudice on the mountain. I, you know, and, and she's very popular. I don't quite understand why, but... <laughs> because you know, she flipped great. the table and said prostitution whore. That's why. <laughs> I mean, true. But everything <laughs> she's done since then has just been awful. So... <laughs> Didn't she go to jail? She did go to jail. Yeah. So, or prison, you know. rather. 11 months for a 15-month sentence for fraud. Yeah. And then her husband went to jail, and then he was deported. She just got remarried. To where? Deported and to where? He moved from Italy as a baby and never bothered uh, to get his citizenship. <sighs> so they deported him back oh, no. to Italy. Oh, no. Where he hadn't lived in like 50 years. <gasps> oh, my God. Let me tell yeah. you, I love Teresa as someone who has never watched a full season she's been in, but I remember the table flip, and I remember that drama. That moment of table flip is one of the more iconic television moments in the last 25 years, P. 
period. Maybe 50, Absolutely. It's up there with figuring out who the hell shot JR. It's just <laughs> good TV. And so for me, she's yes. Rushmore just for that. No, and, and that's why I will begrudgingly admit that she belongs there, even though I don't love her. I appreciate her contributions to the reality television arts and sciences. And so to that, <laughs> Teresa, I tip my hat to you. <laughs> and didn't her daughter sing the song? Yes, her daughter Gia sang <sighs> the waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. Waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. I just wish things would get better. I'm trying to get rid of them, but nothing seems to stay the same. What does Teresa and a character like Teresa making your Mount Rushmore say about the franchise? What it rewards, I mean, what it doesn't, etc. I think it shows that it rewards a sort of outsized unpredictability and that, you know, Teresa is a big personality. You're never sure what she's going to do. She's always on the edge of like totally losing it. And that, I think that is a great place for a real housewife to be, (laughs) you know, like if a personality was TNT, that would be Teresa, like handle it carefully. No big bumps. Wow. Yeah. Why don't you like her? You said you don't like her. You like her the least you said. Um, I just think that she never takes responsibility for anything she does. I think she's stupid with, you know, (laughs) with a lot of the women, I, what I love about housewives is that a lot of the women are like Tennessee Williams heroines. And like, when you look just below the surface, there's like darkness and complicated personalities Mm -hmm. and lots of different things going on. And you're like, why did this woman do that? Is it because of her mother? Is it because of this? Blah, 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 blah. But that's not the case with Teresa. When you look at Teresa and say, oh, why doesn't Teresa understand what's going on? Oh, it's because she's stupid. That's not (laughs) interesting television. She's just dumb. Okay. Who is next on the mount? Next on the mount has to be Bethany Frankel. Mention it all. Mention it all. Woo, you know bitch, I f-ing earn my own living. I made money. You didn't have any money. Until you I know her. Skinny girl margarita, right? Or, or wine or whatever, right? That's her, right? Yes. Okay. Skinny girl margarita. Skinny. All the skinny girl brands are hers. She sold her skinny girl company for reported $120 million. She started it on the show. It was so successful that there is now a clause in the Real Housewives contracts that they've nicknamed the Bethany Clause. Which says, if any of the housewives starts a business on the show, while they're on the show, and they sell it for more than a million (gasps) dollars, Bravo gets 10%. F that. That is some Kris Jenner momager BS. I'm sorry. No. Bravo has enough money. How do you feel about that? uh, I mean, I get it in that Skinny Girl wouldn't have been as big without the show. The show wouldn't have been as big without Bethany Frankel. No, Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But, and I will say, they've never had to enforce it because no one else has sold a business for that much money. All right. What does having Bethany Frankel on Mount Rushmore say about her or the franchise or whatever? I think that the great thing about Bethany Frankel when she started was she was the only one on Real Housewives of New York who wasn't married. She didn't have kids. She So she, she wasn't even a housewife. 
No, and she okay. wasn't. And she wasn't especially successful. And she brought her on the show, and she was like the fans' way in. She was like us being like these rich ladies are fucking crazy. Jill's apartment is Liberace Versace, like la cucaracci. It's like Ivana Trump. Like it's got dangling things everywhere. Look, I'm the simplest person in the entire world. When I, I mean, how we met, so it's like it's, no, I'm, no, I'm, I know. I'm processing. But how's the color of the room? Uh, it's blue. She always has great one-liners. She lives her life openly. She's very opinionated. And I think that those are all great qualities in a housewife. She is, and she's great at telling a story. She's great at producing her own story. She's great in the moment. I mean, all around excellence from Bethany. You need a Bethany Frankel to get all the other ladies. Like, if... There weren't a Bethany Frankel. Jenna Lyons wouldn't have done the show because she oh. wouldn't think the show could sell her fake eyelashes. Oh, uh, wait, Jenna's doing fake eyelashes now? Jenna has fake eyelashes, oh, and that's Lord. why she reportedly is doing the show to get more attention to her fake eyelashes. Well, it worked. <laughs> I'm talking about I her mean, fake eyelashes. <laughs> it worked. I, hello? Well, and you look at Kenya Moore has a line of Kenya Moore hair care. It's CVS. You know, like, <laughs> yes, yes. That's and Kenya like, Moore, for real. I mean, yeah. Well, and also, like, Kenya Moore being on The Housewives, I think, led to like Beyonce knowing who Kenya Moore is. Yeah. And being like, I'm gone with the wind, fabulous. Fabulous. Gone with the wind, fabulous. And Beyonce was saying that phrase after she had just shut the lights down at the Super Bowl halftime show. It was that it, halftime exactly. show. She leaves the stage. She's walking through, like, the tunnel. And she says, ooh, that was Gone with the Wind Fabulous. How did it feel? Wonderful. It was fun. It, it was, was great incredible. performance. They were fast, honey. She was Gone with the Wind Fabulous. <laughs> I will say, so when I, when I was working on my book, I reached out to a bunch of celebrities who I knew were, like, Bravo people to see if they would talk to me. And most of them, I never heard back from them or their publicists or whatever. The one person who I know is a Real Housewives of Atlanta fan who I got a letter back from, and they said they wouldn't do the interview, but at least they let me know they weren't going to, was Michelle Obama. So Stop. always a class act, that oh, Michelle Obama. <laughs> my God. See, now I want a season of Real Housewives where it's like Beyonce and Michelle Obama and Serena Williams and Oprah and Gail. I mean, I just want to watch the five of them watch Real Housewives of, Ooh, yes. of Atlanta. Yeah, watch what happens White House. I don't know. Something like, yes. <laughs> Let's do yes. it. Yes. All right, moving on. Yeah. You have put two women on your Housewives Mount Rushmore. Who is the third and why? So speaking of our Real Housewives of Atlanta... It's got to be Nene Leakes. I was hoping you'd say that. For me, she is the OG. She is the originator. There is actually no housewives culture without her. She is the one. She is the blueprint. She is the book of Genesis for this 100%. Bible. 100%. I said what I said. As and always. And I'm not changing on it, okay? Okay. That's it. She is the gif. If you Literally. want a housewife's gif, it it's is her. a Nene gif. It's her. Yes. Can we just it pause is. right now to even just talk a little bit about her white refrigerator moment. I was shocked, honey. I was in tears almost. And it has a white refrigerator. I was like, oh, oh, not a white refrigerator. Girl, please put your shoes on. Let's go find you a home, honey. Ooh. 
<laughs> just that. Yes. That is still pure peak internet. The little things like that, they're still with us. She, I think, has had the most lingering effect and longest effect on internet culture. So over the yes. years, real housewives culture became part of internet culture and the way we talk on the internet. Like housewives speak has become internet speak. Uh, and it's yep. become internet visuals, like memes and gifs of these housewives. All that began with Nini, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like the sound effects, like the bloops, the bleeps, the catchphrases, the I'm cashing Trump checks. Like, (laughs) yeah, there's there is a Nini line for every occasion. One of my favorites is um, from a reunion where they bring up her name and she just goes. How did I get in this? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, why are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. To so be now true. why I am I in it? And you could have did now it. See, can I get I it She never apologized. She is one of the all-time greats, and you know she she was on Glee. She had a she was on a show called The New Normal for a bit. She was on Fashion Police. So I mean, next to Bethany, she's probably the one who has broken out from Housewives the most. And yeah. very deservingly so. So, Brian, we cannot talk about NeNe Leakes without talking about the lawsuit she brought against Andy Cohen and Bravo alleging racism and discrimination within the world of the Housewives, right? No, absolutely. And that case has wrapped up, but where it's left Nini in the Bravo fold is up to some question. We haven't seen her back since then, so it, Nini may be gone for good. Do you think that there is any validity to Nini's claim that the franchise of the Housewives and Bravo and Cohen do treat the Housewives of Color differently or worse than the White Housewives? I, I think... I mean, we're all products of a racist society. And as such, I mean, the Black housewives are always going to be treated differently, Mm. no matter how hard we try to not treat them differently, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. You know, especially because up until very recently, they were totally segregated, where you had the quote-unquote Black shows, Atlanta Mm -hmm. Potomac, and Mm -hmm. the white shows. And, you know, I've talked to Raquel Gates, who is an academic who works at Columbia, a Black woman, and she says that, you know, Housewives has really always been about whiteness. And, you know, it wasn't until Garcelle Beauvais on... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is only like three or four years ago, that huh. you started to integrate the cast in any meaningful That's way. Wild. And yeah, and they've done better on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They got Crystal Kong Minkoff, who's an Asian housewife. Uh, Garcelle has a friend who's been on a bit, who's a black woman. I think Cynthia Bailey, who's one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, is going to show up this season on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So we're start, you know, we have the new Real Housewives of New York. Um, yeah, so we're starting to see it be integrated a lot more, and I think that is for the best. And I think that's obviously the way it should be. And yeah, and I'm sure Nini and the other women got treated differently. But ironically, Real Housewives of Atlanta was the most highest, was the highest rated of all of them until recently. Yeah, that was a weird thing about the Housewives from like, it started out very separate, but equal. Like it really did. How much blame should Andy Cohen or Bravo or whoever take for that? 
I mean, I think they should take all the blame. Uh, mm. I don't know. I heard from some casting directors when I was doing research for the book that there are a few different production companies that make the shows. So even though they're all Real Housewives shows, like Evolution makes Orange County and Beverly Hills and Sirens Media makes New Jersey. So there are different production companies that make all these, but Bravo and Andy Cohen are the ones who approve all the casting decisions. But I I will give them credit that post-George Floyd, they have worked very hard to diversify all of their shows, not just The Housewives. And you look at a show like Summer House, where you now have, uh, last season, there were three Black women on the cast and several white women. And, you know, it was a truly diverse cast of people. And so I, I will say that in a short time, they have made great strides, yeah. but yeah. obviously, took a long we time. still have a long way to go. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and I will say this new season of The Real Housewives of New York has a lot of queer energy. So Jenna Lyons, yep. the former J. Crew yep. head, is queer, and she is she is giving that whole room and that whole space and all those other women some queer energy. I'm seeing flirtation happening, and I'm like, oh, by the end of this season, someone's making out. I don't sleep with men, so it's just assumed everyone everyone gets taken care of. Sign me up. Yeah, and we've had a few queer housewives out. Well, and then Taylor Armstrong, uh, who is now on Real Housewives of Orange County, just came out as bisexual, even though she was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like seasons one, two, and three. And wow. so I was like, wait, are you the OG queer housewife? And we yes. had no idea until now. I love it. <laughs> Brian, we have one more spot left on the mount on the housewife Mount Rushmore, who gets that final spot and why? It has to go to Kyle Richards, real housewife of Beverly Hills. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me why. Uh, so Kyle Richards, she's Paris Hilton's aunt, oh. um, Kathy Hilton's half-sister. Her sister oh. Kim Richards was on the show. So is Kathy. And... Kyle has been a great housewife since the very beginning. The end of the first season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is her and her sister Kim, who up until that point we didn't know was an alcoholic, getting in a fight in the back of the limo. And Kim says to Kyle, you stole my fucking house. And Kyle says, well, you're an alcoholic. And now I said it and everybody knows. You better fucking take that back right now. You better that's the darkness underneath I was talking about, where it's like these two, they were both child stars. Their mother raised them maybe kind of strangely. And yeah, it's, they just have this underlying darkness. And since then, you know, Kyle and Kim have fallen out because of the show. Kyle and her sister, Kathy Hilton, have fallen out because of the show. Now she's separated from her husband, Maurizio, you know, and that's supposedly going to be on the next season of the show. And I just think Kyle has like these other women, given it all, she's someone who's very relatable, even though she's extremely affluent and lives in Beverly Hills and had this crazy life. And what she's good at is when she's in a scene with the other women, asking them the right questions, getting them to talk about things in the right way. So now I always joke that she's the ultimate executive producer. Like, So even if huh. the story's not about Kyle, huh. Kyle's helping the story to happen. 
Well, and like you know, this brings up something that you've written about in the book. Uh, yeah. This idea that like all the housewives know what they're doing. You know, like oh, they're yes. there for a reason. They know what it entails, and they wanted it. You know. Yeah. Yep. And. A lot of times fans watching the show or people who don't watch the show will be like, oh, it's so fake or it's scripted, right? And actually, it's more real than you think it is, which is what I learned researching this book. And obviously, you know, the situations are produced in that they're paying for these vacations that the women go on or they're saying, okay, you two got in a fight. Now you two have to go out to lunch together and we're going to film the lunch. But everything they say at the lunch and what they wear and, you know, how they arrive, whatever, is all up to them. And a lot of times fans will say, oh, the producers are meddling or the producer told her to do this or whatever. And what I heard from the producers is it's actually the opposite. Like the women have internalized what it takes to be on the show, the way to behave, the looking for a storyline, the drama, the fights, and that they're producing themselves. And so much so that it annoys the producers because the producers are like, you're doing too much or it's coming off as inauthentic or, you know, we don't want you to do that much. They know what they're doing and they know what they signed up for. And you you write in the book, all the housewives you spoke to, none of them were like, yeah, I deeply regret it. They all were like, it was good for me and I recommend it to my friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of them would come back and yeah, and a few of them huh. said they wouldn't. And and that's, what, you know, one of my contentions, I say this in the book too, is with a handful of exceptions, whenever the women leave, it is not by choice. Wow. They want to stay. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they get addicted to the fame. They get addicted to the attention. If they have a business, they're, you know, getting business from it. They're getting followers that they can then leverage into paid Instagram posts. I mean, yeah, as long as you're on the show, the gravy train's running. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once you fall off, the obscurity starts catching up with you quite quick. Yeah. Through a little research from the Intuit team, we have deduced that the actual Mount Rushmore, which has George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln on it, each of those four busts represents a different idea about the U.S. George Washington represents the birth of the U.S. Thomas Jefferson represents its growth. Roosevelt represents its development. And Lincoln represents its preservation. So in that spirit of the original Mount Rushmore, really quickly lightning round before break, which housewives hit those four categories? Which is the birth, which is the growth, which is development, and which is preservation? I mean, I think it's the order we went in. Teresa was like the birth, like that was like the huge moment that that zeitgeist moment that got everybody into the housewives. Mm. Bethany was the growth of it. She showed the potential. She showed that it could make a millionaire. It could make a giant star. Mm. Nene Leakes is the development. Like, we're impacting the culture. We are bringing it onto the internet. We're being the gifts. And Kyle Richards, who... Is the OG. uh, Along with... (laughs) Yeah, with Teresa is the only one who's still on the show. Like, and Beverly Hills is going strong, and she's seeing it into the future, into the next, you know, seventeen years. So I, I okay. think that along with Mount Rushmore, you wow. know, Kyle Richards is Abraham Lincoln. Take that, everybody. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Richards freed the slaves. Thank you. Which is ironic, <laughs> considering she throws a famous white party, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> With that, we're going to break. <laughs> when we come back, uh, some details from Brian Moreland's Housewives book and some revelations about the actual inner workings of this empire. Brian, we're talking housewives, and I'm talking with yeah. the person who wrote the book on the housewives. And you talk about this in the book, and it's always been one of my biggest questions about Bravo and all of this. Um, is Andy Cohen really the evil genius? I think he is. <laughs> I think it's easy for a lot of folks to assume that he made the whole thing and continues to mastermind the entire thing. But is that the case? You would know. Uh I don't think it's as much of the case as it used to be. I think that the gentleman who came up with the idea for Real Housewives of Orange County, which was the first one, his name is Scott Dunlop, and he was like an advertising executive. And what he wanted to do was less reality and more like he wanted it to be like curb your enthusiasm, but with real people. And then Andy Cohen, who was in development at Bravo at the time, and, you know, several other people there kind of took that and made it into the housewives that we know and love today. So he was definitely on the team that was doing this and, you know, hosted the reunions and is responsible for being, I think, a conduit between the women and the producers and the network in a certain way. But once he left to do Watch What Happens Live full-time, he's now a high-level executive producer. So he's weighing in on casting decisions. Oh, he's wow. looking at cuts of every episode, but he's kind of coming in at the end and saying, "Gotcha." when they've winnowed it down to five, he's saying, okay, this one. Gotcha. It's really being created by the different production companies as well as the people who work at Bravo okay. working together yeah. with Andy. Do you think any of the way he has handled the Housewives franchise has been villainous? I mean, if he was part of the truly separate but equal early years of the Housewives, does he deserve some blame for his part in that? Like, are there things, even in his workings with the show and the franchises, that have been villainous? No, absolutely. And I think especially at the reunions where he's controlling the women, he's seeing where the conversation goes, and it's him and a group of Black women, I mean, that's a very fraught dynamic. And and there was a reunion on Real Houses of Atlanta where Portia Williams and Kenya Moore, things start to escalate and escalate and escalate, and eventually ends in them, well, Portia punching Kenya. And I feel like a lot of people, if they understood Black women, the way they speak to each other, uh, the context of what they're saying more, might have been able to see where this was going, whereas Andy was maybe a little oblivious to it. Mm -hmm. But I will say, since those early days, there was a conversation about colorism on one of the Real Housewives of Potomac reunions. Oh, that's all they Andy talk about. Potomac loves talking about shade and skin tones. <laughs> oh, they sure do. And Andy was like, I'm going to step out of this and let you women lead huh. this discussion. And okay. I think that that's... Okay. The way it should be done. He also brought in Nicki Minaj, who's a fellow black woman. With her PhD in race relations. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know that it's necessarily villainous, but I do think that a lot of times, you know, as... He's had some room for growth. 
Yeah. And as white gentlemen, we think like, oh, well, why can't I do this? And it's mm. like, well, you can do it, but maybe you shouldn't. There maybe you someone go. else should. There you go. You know, what I find surprising in your book and in other coverage of the franchise is how different perhaps the housewives we know now were from what the show was thought to be or intended to be from the start. You know, you mentioned that one of the creators wanted to have some curb your enthusiasm energy. I've also read somewhere, and I forget where I read it, that a lot of the inspiration was the ABC drama Desperate Housewives. Yeah. How different is the housewives we see now on TV from what they thought they were making at the start? It's very different. I recently watched the first episode of Real Housewives of New York uh, in my newsletter that I write for Vulture, comparing that to the reboot version. And in the original, it's, you know, first of all, five white ladies. Mm -hmm. It was filmed right before the 2008 crash. So lots of conspicuous consumption, lots of like showing how much everything costs. You know, it's like, oh, they pay $30,000 a year for their au pair, you know, things like that. And the women were kept apart a lot. And it was about their individual stories with their families, less so than it's about now. It's more about group dynamics, about, you know, women on the show relating to each other. But now I say we've gotten to a point where all fights on the show are about the show. So a lot of times you see women beefing because it's like, oh, you only... Yeah, you only invited me here so that mm-hmm. you could get free shit mm. you know, <laughs> or yeah. a free party to put on the show, and now I'm mad about it. Or uh-huh. you're getting more attention than I am, and I'm not happy with it. And so um, it's become less about an actual group of friends with a real dynamic. And now I think of a lot of the groups of women more as groups of coworkers who are ah. kind of invested in keeping this thing going with each other, but outside of the show, maybe aren't really Mm. spending a lot of time together. How much of what we see in reality TV today over all the networks, how much of that is owed to the housewives? Like, how present and with us is the blueprint of housewives in other shows, not just on Bravo, but elsewhere? Oh, it's everywhere. And I think that you've really seen housewives... Uh, You know, it it came up along with the Kardashians, but it was always more conflict-based than the Kardashians. Um, And you see shows now like Selling Sunset as a Housewives ripoff. You know, like any of these shows with ensemble cast, male or female or anything, are really built on the Housewives. The Housewives were the first ones doing reunions, and now they're on everything. I think it's really just formed the kind of structure of what we think reality TV should look like. And and I talk about this in my book. All the other production companies, when they're looking for people to work on their shows, or even the other cable networks are saying, previous Bravo experience required. Like, they want to find people who are going to make shows that look like housewife shows. And I think that that's just how we've kind of internalized what this docu-soap format should look Hmm. like. Is that good or bad for the culture? I mean, I think it's great for the culture because I love housewives. (laughs) I'm also not one of those people who think that 
you know, you always get those people who are like, oh, the reality is the downfall of our society. And I fucking hate those people. Because first of all, those people probably watch House Hunters, which is reality television, or they watch American Idol, or they watch America's Got Talent, or whatever. Everybody watches a reality show. And so to lump it all together is stupid. And also, I never talk shit about American football, and that's given there thousands of people con- concussion go. disorders that part. and physical mm-hmm. injuries and whatever else. And, you know, housewives usually only hurt themselves <laughs> or their <laughs> reputations. So, True. like, why are you telling Teresa me my thing is bad? just flipped the table. She didn't give anybody yeah. CTE. Yeah. There you go. So, like, there you go. why is my thing worse than your thing? It's not as dumb as you think it is. And usually the there people who are like, oh, this is awful. This is a guilty pleasure. This should, you know, is going to end society are the people who've never watched it and have no idea what Bam. they're talking about. So, if you ever hear that, yeah. Kick him in the shins and walk away. <laughs> there you go. I want to close this conversation by quoting a line from the intro of your book that kind of explains why so many people keep watching these often truly vile people so much. You wrote of them and their appeal, quote, we all wanted their version of privilege and we all wanted to grind it under the boots of our Doc Martens. Just beautiful chef's kiss. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again to Brian Moylan. His book is called The Housewives, and he's the resident housewife expert for Vulture. All right, listeners, before we go, you know the drill. I keep talking about this pizza party and Chuck E. Cheese, and if we get enough reviews, I get a little pizza party. I want it. I like bad pizza. Help me out. Go rate the show. Go review the show. Matter of fact, send us a voice memo of you telling a friend to listen to this show. Whatever, man. The outreach helps us. It gets me closer to Charles Entertainment Cheese himself. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, Taka Zen, and Oluwakimi Aladesui. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. And our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Listeners, we are back on Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, I don't know, pour one out for Nene Leakes, best housewife of all time. Love you, Nene. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.